OCD. The show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated soap opera of the early aughts, The O.C. It's like no television show you've ever seen, and similar to every podcast you've ever heard. I'm your host for the evening, and I'm so honored you chose me to be so, and I'll try to do the mantle justice, Mike Gravano. So wait, was there some sort of vote or something that I missed? There was a vote. Okay, and in, everyone picked you. In the back of our last monthly, uh-huh. Floppy, right? they got to vote. They called one for Kill Mike, two for Make Mike the Host. And in a surprising pivot, Ross, they decided I should keep hosting. Okay. And it was those are the only two options. It wasn't like Ryan take over, Ryan do anything. Ryan's here, by the way. I'm Ryan. Nice to be here. Well, there was a flow chart uh-huh. of votes. So if you vote Kill Mike, and here's the three people who you could vote to host over him. I see. And it was me and... It was you. It was uh, Books. They re- the the fans love that scratchy ass voice. They're like books specifically if she still has a sore throat. And John Travolta. And John Travolta. Okay. So do you want? I have the tally of those. Mm-hmm. So we got three hundred for Keep Mike the host. Mm-hmm. We got a hundred for John Travolta. Okay. Two hundred for books with the scratchy voice. Uh huh. And seven for Ryan. Seven for me. I could leave and get John Travolta in here if you want me to. What era of John Travolta? I would say. Would you want Greece specifically? That's sexy John. Oh yeah, and nothing else. Right, Vinny Barbarino. No, who's just TV Danny Zuko. No, 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 no. I I think that he is a hard character to find. I almost said do like I was going to do an impression, but just for it to uh, find on the street. And he's always telling people. He's always saying, "Up your nose with a rubber hose." Mm-hmm. And do you know how fucking unsafe that is? It's so safe. Like how many kids Unless- a year die from rubber noses directly up their hoses? Well, was he in EMT training? Oh. And he was telling people, here's how I will pump your stomach I see. after I force feed you pills. Or I think that you give Vinnie Barbarino a little too much credit. Was he in EMT training and he would force hoses up people's nose just so he had something to do? Yeah. Like he would like uh, plant plan or like plant plant, plant, plant plant injuries so that people would call his EMT. And also he had his own number. He was not attached to any hospital or ambulance. He, he was just, just driving like, around in a sedan. Yeah, he's just in a fucking 1962 Gremlin. Uh huh. Are those the cars that blow up if you hit them too hard in the back? Yeah, or if you feed them after midnight. And he would just drive around that, put the little ambulance, not even an ambulance siren, but a toy of a full on ambulance taped to the top of his car. So there's a little car on top of his Gremlin that he would press a little button on. Ambulance. You have to admit, though, it was cute how the the gas. I don't have any words today, dude. Uh-huh. I don't know. the ga- Where do you put the gas? Yeah, yeah. Gas lid? Gas lid. The gas door, uh, there was a nose on it, so when he filled his car with gas, he could put that rubber hose He's right up the nose. The yeah. But Practice what you preach is all I'm saying. One of his EMT failings... Is a spatula. Was a spatula. He would use that first to try to widen the nose, and spatula isn't your kitchen utensil to widen. Things. No. That's a... What are those things you suck snot out of baby's noses with? Yep, that could it. widen the nose. Uh-huh. Uh, a garlic press if you try hard enough. But... His failing as an EMT, other than planting injuries, so he was a nightcrawler of an MT, uh, EMT. And by that, you mean Jake Gyllenhaal, not Kurt from the X-Men. No, he didn't bamf anywhere. He got there very slowly in his fucking gremlin. Was the rubber hose he put in noses, he still would attach little metal bits to them, because that's what he saw at the gas station. Right. And that will fuck your innards up. Yeah. If putting a hose inside of your body isn't enough stuff, little metal bits is going to do it. That's yeah. going to hurt you. And also... 
he's EMTing wrong because to pump somebody's stomach, don't bypass their mouth. Right. Exactly. You can go th- right through the mouth. You're taking extra time and sort of mummifying them, taking out the front of their brain while you do that. Do you think that we're wasting our life and an incredible invention by only using those little pumper things for baby boogers? Yes. Aren't there a million other things we could be using those for? Like, I don't want to take 45 minutes to poo anymore. Sure. Just get it out all in one minute. You die, right? I mean, how much is going to come out of you at that point? Me specifically? Yes. Oh, mountains. The king of the poop. The only thing that we use those baby booger things for is lime ba- juice. Lime juice? That's what we keep the little lime juices in. Uh, basting turkeys? Oh, those are bigger, if though. you got the big one. Right. Wait, should I stop using my big one on my nephew? How, is he, he like? He is getting dumber every time I see him. Is he seven three? No. This is not a honey. I blew up the baby situation. He's knee high. To a what? To oh, to a human. To a human. Gotcha. What's okay. the rest of that phrase? To a grasshopper. Knee high to a grasshopper. And you can imagine how, how short you would be if you were knee high to a grasshopper. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is not even ants. Right. The anted man is not even knee high to a grasshopper. It's very short. Give me a mite. A mite. What is a, that mite height? That's. It's about mite height. Yeah. Does it ever freak you out that we have mites just living on our eyelashes? Absolutely not. Do you know why? Why? Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Yeah. That's just like, uh, it never freaks me out that uncooked chicken has salmonella. I'm still going to eat it. Sure. I haven't died yet, mofos. You know what? I don't want to take the risk of a chicken having salmonella or not, so I'm just going to only eat uncooked chicken. Therefore, I'm guaranteed to get salmonella. Indoctrinating. Inoculating. Thanks. Is that starting a weird rap? I love the rap. The other thing, too, is if you eat uncooked salmon, do you get chickenella? Yes. I think, is this the funniest podcast on the air? I think so. Did you just hear what I just said? I'm for it. It's, we're going to put it in the back of this month's floppy. Vote one for this is the funniest podcast. Vote two for bring back Ricky Gervais's podcast. I do feel like I need to warn you and the listeners right now that I that was one. I have nine more popsicle sticks with jokes on them to use throughout the course of this show. I do like... I mean, it was still a lame joke, but pretty edgy for popsicle stick humor. <laughs> well, these, this is popsicle after dark. Like, this Ooh. is at the end of the aisle, way past even, like, the knockoff um, drumsticks. Red shoe popsicle sticks? Oh, my God. Drumsticks, ice cream, popsicle sticks, drumsticks, drumsticks on chicken, salmonella. It's all connected. Is that all on one popsicle stick? That yeah. was wordy. I don't like this popsicle There's stick. There's not a character limit on those? Yeah, and the problem is that you can see it on the handle. You got to jam all of the. The joke has to fit inside of the popsicle covered part of the stick. Right. You can't be reading half the joke. Well, this was a popsicle stick. Wanted to be an. Uh, the, he wanted to be an innovator. He's like, set up where your hand goes. Oh. Punchline after you swallow that thing. That's perfect. Because usually the punchline is where your hand goes. Right. After you punch someone, I'm gonna throw these popsicle sticks away. They're not working for me. And they're weirdly violent. Yeah. After Dark meant something different in the 80s, and it's weird that you've kept this box of popsicle sticks from the 80s. Well, I, I, I mean, I didn't eat them. That's the cool thing about popsicles. They didn't go but bad. You've moved like 50 times since you were seven years old, mm-hmm. and you just keep bringing this unopened box of popsicles. Well, they unfreeze, you freeze them back. Is it because this is the dessert at your parents' wedding was popsicle sticks, and this is the remainder of that dessert, so you've just had to keep it for luck? Yeah. So you just opened it because they say on your first wedding anniversary, eat part of your parents' wedding dessert. Uh-huh. And if you both don't die, your marriage will last forever. That's exactly right. That's a popsicle stick I have right now. Damn, dude. That is a baster, turkey baster-sized popsicle yeah. stick that you have. I only eat things abnormally large that you would buy like the Knott's Berry Farm Market. Okay. I thought you were going to say from Nazis. Did you ever try to use those giant pencils? No. That I'm not a goddamn fool. Weapons? <laughs> like, did schools ban those ever? 
I don't remember that on the ban list. Wait, was there a Raiders logo on them? Because then they're, they're, that you got to get them out of here. Because Raiders are a like signed off on sports team, but the way that they act, they are more of a gang than a sports team. I think the gangs that wore their clothes had a little bit to do with it too. Oh, I did not put that together at yeah. all. Okay, that's a lazy gang. You need a better organizer and decorator as your lead gang member. What, what is that? Treasurer? Where is your reality show Lazy Gang, where you go up to gangs and tell them that their fashion sucks and it's time for a makeover? Like gang rescue? Gang like rescue. I go in there and eventually I scream at them, you're doing it wrong, you don't even know how to aim. And everybody's paying in this... Uh, Kickstarter, because yeah. gang rescue, that sounds great. It's like, we're going to save oh, yeah. kids. They're like, so did he used to be in a gang, and then he goes in and like tries to talk to them on their level? No. No, 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 no. Never been in that world, and I will do light improv with them while I yell at them to coordinate better. And it's five gang guys, right? Mm-hmm. Five. So we have the Raiders, the Skinhead. Who else is there? There's the Pirate. They're oh, part of a gang. Cl- your classic gangs. Right. That are in every city. Right. Your, your Portsmiths. Uh-huh. Uh, who are all kind of balding and have like the George Costanza hair. Your your grills. Oh, yeah. They classic. all love Bear grills. Your Dirty Souths. Your Dirty Souths. That's it. Oh, and then your Bottle Fingers. Oh, of course. We need some warrior representation up in here. Need it. And the Rollerbladers have really died out since the 90s. Sure. Which is good because they were the most dangerous of gangs. And then sometimes they try to be trains. It was nuts. And their whole like thing where they had to, sw- they were trying to switch the name to the inline skating gang. It, that never took. Yeah. You guys are rollerbladers. Live, or, live and die as rollerbladers. I know the trend is now the four wheels, and isn't that cooler because it's retro? You are what you are. Yeah. You wear neon, and your wheels are all in one row. Was that part of why rollerblades went away? Is because they refused to put them in any color other than neon? Yes, and neon, like neon, had a eight year mid eighties to mid nineties like fucking stranglehold uh, yeah and then got shot in the uh, for all the trends that come back like bell bottoms having every four years the back in style neon's neon done is donezo yeah because when it comes up in like uh magazines uh and ads it's always ironic like isn't it hilarious we look like the fresh prince nobody's like this is how i am all the time good lord first and second season fresh prince he needs a gang rescue you need to get in there and dress him up go back in time yes gang rescue and then hopefully Uncle Phil throws me out, but he says, thank you. I'll go, ah! Oh, my God. To get the jazz treatment. That's the dream, right? That is the dream. You know, the jazz treatment is mostly about the notes you don't throw out of your house. On that note, Ryan, On that throw note, the rest of those popsicle sticks away. They're gone, I promise. And when we come back, it'll be talk about the OC. Tonight on the OC, Oliver wants to say thank you to Ryan for helping him out at the Rooney Show. So he invites Marissa, Ryan, Summer, Seth, Anna, and Luke to his parents' place in Palm Springs for some golfing, hot tubbing, and fake suicide attempts. Meanwhile, Jimmy and Sandy get drunk and plan on opening a restaurant together, and Kirsten convinces Caleb he needs to let Haley grow up on her own. Noopsies, I ask you this. Is Marissa being willfully obtuse when it comes to Oliver's manipulations, or can she not see them because she sees too much of herself in him? Ooh, it's definitely... Hmm. That's interesting. He's not... And those aren't mutually exclusive, are they? No, they're not mutually exclusive. But he's not subtle. Right. He, in the begin- in the opening of the whole episode, he shows up at her house like a creep, because you at least call and let somebody know. Before school, it looks like, uh, she apologizes for having a small apartment, which that drove me nuts. She wouldn't do that to any of her other friends, but she cares what Oliver thinks about her. But Oliver at least had the decency to walk around and look at the apartment like a smug idiot, yeah. and then say, well, I don't judge. Fuck you, dude. You're yes, you do. You're judging right there. And her, oh, it's temper. Own it. Uh, 
He moves a picture of Marissa and Ryan behind a picture of Jimmy and Marissa. I'm going to say that's the worst moment on the OC so far. Thank you. It was so bad. It was so bad and so annoying. As the opening credit song swells, just to give it that much more drama. We and and this is why I think people hate Oliver. And we talked about this last episode that we are more pro Oliver on the show than a lot of other people are. But there's these jarring daytime soap opera style moments yeah. that this show doesn't have a ton of. Right. And in this episode, I loved this episode. I enjoyed watching it. It's not our best. I think we were on a really good run. And this episode had two daytime soap opera style moments and was a table setting episode more than like fireworks. Is the other one, can we get to the other one? It's Haley. Oh, it's Haley. What did Haley do? Haley, it's this quote. I'm going to find it. But Haley is yelling at Kirsten because Kirsten told Caleb the truth. You know she just wants your money, which is very true. And that dick. And that big old dick. Uh, And then she, Haley comes back, gets very angry. She says, what the hell did you say to dad? I know you're behind this. Just, you could have stopped at, what did you say to dad? The I know you're behind this is straight up General Hospital. Okay, so in those two daytime TV moments, in all of your questions, I think that we have exactly what is great and terrible about the OC. With Marissa, the reason that she's so unlikable, the reason that she's a bad character, and it's not just a performance, although I don't know if Misha Barton is necessarily up to snuff with a lot of the other cast, Mm -hmm. is that she only exists to be obtuse right she only exists to like miss stuff and do things wrong so that drama can move on ryan you can put that on ryan but he's reactionary you know like he is or actionary i guess he is he's causing the fights and we know why he's causing them right he's marissa just stumbles he acts he makes decisions and it's i think marissa the character started arcing before summer the character because she went from a noopsie as well to troubled to funny like before ryan became funny Marissa was second to Seth of a character they gave jokes to. Uh-huh. At, but that, at this point, Summer is self-actualized and looking at herself and doing things on purpose instead of stumble-fucking her way in and goes after what she wants. And Marissa really, yeah, they don't treat her well as a character, but she, so many of the ties are to her. She's arguably the main character for a while, like her and Ryan. Because Seth at this point, I always thought it was a Ryan-Seth show because I was a sexist little teenager. It's Ryan and Marissa... And not as a couple, but they're the ones who go through things. Right. But I, I can also see, like we talked about early on in, on the OCD, that Summer was a guest star mm-hmm. just there for a couple episodes. And then she got brought on. And a lot of that is because of Rachel Bilson. Right. But I could also see that, look, the character from Marissa is not going the way that we want it. Almost like we're the writers, but there's nothing we can do about it. So all of that stuff that you talked about that Marissa had in the beginning, mm-hmm. they just gave to Summer and made her a regular character. Because the actress could handle it. And because there's this writerly saying of, like, the work surprises you, Uh which is both pretentious and magical. Like, I I buy it. But that doesn't mean you have to keep the character poorly written. Right. Just because I didn't expect it to be. But what if we didn't think of anything for her to do on her own? But I think they sort of liked, while she was surprising the writers, I think that although she was becoming a less worthwhile, less three-dimensional character, they were enjoying... The, what she did to the drama of the show. Uh-huh. It's sort of like Republicans that aren't racist, but they don't mind the racist votes. Right. So they just took what Marissa gave uh, as far as drama and said, we'll just do the rest of Summer. Because if they changed Marissa back to Summer or the way that back to Marissa was, they might lose all of the fireworks that she causes. But it's... Because the, the, the Marissa can change the earliest out of anybody because she was the one who could see 
dimension and character in other people. So I guess this is the downside of that, but it really just does feel like the rich version of Ryan. She And she's the one who points out the similarities between Ryan and Oliver. In a way, you could see the show being like, look what we're doing, but instead I'm like, you're giving her the same plot every time, but Ryan's not nearly as bad as Luke was. Right. So fuck you, show. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it's going to get to a point very soon where Marissa is completely comprised of pining for Ryan and hatred of Juku. Uh-huh. That's her only reason to exist. Where everybody else has these, like, they're on these paths and they're making decisions. Right. And they're their own people. You know, Atwood got over his shitty parents, mm-hmm. right? Atwood's sort of like if Clark Kent landed on in Smallville when he was 16 uh-huh. instead of a baby. So he got his mom and pa Kent. But he's, and he doesn't want to, like, embarrass them or de- make them depressed but that's not his every move is no. based on them you know they did guide him but he was all already pretty great and he already had this like standard set of morals marissa just doesn't have anything and they everybody else are tweaking and trying things seth has devolved which is we hate it but i still think is interesting i, I think the seth from episode one is so shy he doesn't even realize he can manipulate people and he's a monster. And so what we're seeing is he gains confidence because of being friends with Ryan and then because girls are finally talking to him. And like real nerds all around the world, and maybe somebody in this room definitely went through the same thing in high school, you go, oh, wait, people talk to me now? And I've spent my whole life sitting in a corner watching you? I will play with you like puppets. Yeah, it's time to be a real shitbag. The other argument I think that you can make for Marissa as a character, if she does have anything to her inner core, mm-hmm. is that she's a fixer. Right. She's broken, but she knows it. And so it's not that she wants to be around somebody that's more broken, but I think that she wants to be in a relationship with someone broken, and they can fix each other. Right. And now Ryan, her original crush, is fixed. He is and now- is- in her mind, better off than where she's at. Oh, yeah. Like, Ryan now is, you know, centered, and he's moving forward with his life, and now he can get a little bit judgy because Marissa makes stupid decisions. Uh Anybody gets judgy around Marissa. But now what Ryan doesn't give her anymore as far as that broken puppy to fix, Oliver does. Right. And so now I'm attracted to that. Not. I don't think that she wants to fuck Oliver. No. I think that she also just needs that broken puppy in her life. It's just what she knows. That's the thing she knows she's good at. And she's not the social chair anymore. She does. She did give up a lot of stuff this year, and this is the one thing she's still there. I'd be fascinated to see a flashback episode a year before Ryan showed up to Newport to watch how everybody interacted then. Like, the end of the first or beginning of the second season, if they did that, that would be just to remind us how far all these people have come. In three weeks. In three weeks? Yeah. Like, it's been three weeks since Chino got there? No. Well, th- this is the show took forever in summer and then motored. We oh, are, yeah, because we're past Christmas. We're past New Year's. New Year's. And Ryan shows up there apparently the day after school ends, the way the first half of the season went. I got you. Okay. But uh, talk about Judgy Ryan. And this is the one slip up that it was like soap opera movie, but I fucking loved it. Was Oliver. Close off. Oliver Close off uh, fakes a suicide, but they don't know he faked it. Still, right? In the, the world of the show, they don't know he faked it. Only Oliver knows. But Ryan's like, who would do something like that? Who would just eat all those pills? And the daggers Marissa throws yeah. at him. And it's like, oh, yeah. I also kind of forgot she did this same shit. You as in Mike? Yeah. Like, you and Ryan both forgot. Yeah. Yeah, because I, either that's the show's fault, mm-hmm. and it doesn't... It is. It didn't deal with the trauma of that night in Tijuana as well as it should have because we both forgot about it. Right. Or that's Ryan sort of racing towards normalcy, you know, and I think that we got there. 
And what that includes is sort of forgetting about the fucked up moments of our past. And because and he thought his presence could fix her, which is why the door slamming thing of the Christmas cup party, because he, he keeps forgetting she needs work. Right. And the one thing the show's not motoring through is that kind of thing isn't a snap of the fingers, everything's fixed. Right. It takes time and work. And it also, this viewing also shows me that I thought that Ryan was doing such a great job for someone in his position, which is something that Oliver says to him in the last episode, and that Sandy is perfect. Uh-huh. And now on this rerun, now that I have achieved Sandy-Ryan level perfection in my own life, uh-huh. I see now how intolerable it could be to live with people like these two. With the I door slamming this... and the judging and the preaching, like yeah. it's a lot. I think this is the f- where the phrase sanctimonious prick. Yes. I think that's it covers the downside of them. Them. Not people in this room, but no. those two for sure. But if we had to define one word, sanctimonious prick, which would you rather be, the prick or the sanctimonious? Ooh, boy. I guess I'd rather be the prick because you have more options where a sanctimonious is pretty narrowed in. Pretty one kind of dude. Well, we're going to get to Palm Springs after this break because Oliver's like, let's get away. Just the gang for a while. Including Luke. You're not in the goddamn gang, Oliver. Luke is war in the gang. Do you think it's weird that we don't use Palm Springs as like a term for jerking off more often? Yes. Let's start that on this break. All right, let's stay on the kids for a second. Where everybody is out before they go to Palm Springs emotionally. So Marissa is convincing Ryan to at least go, right? Uh Uh-huh. And Seth and Anna, Anna is obviously putting sex on the table. It It seems like it, yeah. Or at least I think they've made out, and she's at least like saying, let's escalate. It's you and me. Let's get our own room. And he's already talking about schwitzing and going to bed early, which is very funny. It, like, and the, the whole scenario is f- the funniest Seth's been in weeks is you're throwing this on the table, but I'm going to make jokes about how early bird specials. But at no point does it seem like he's joking. Right. He does not see what's happening. And they don't have a clue. I don't remember the next line. God damn it. They don't have a clue, Ryan. And Marissa and Summer are talking because Marissa's like, you got to come because I'm sort of angry at my boyfriend oh, all the time. And even though I say Oliver's my friend, like, Marissa has two people in her life, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan and Summer. And I guess now Oliver. And Jimmy. She's not actually friends with Luke, Anna, or Seth. No. They're just also there. They don't interact often. They're just sort of in the same place sometimes. A plot, B plot. Like Greg and Taylor are to us. Yes. I love that they're there because I like the party needs to feel bigger, even when it's just like a small board game party. Right. But I'm never going to have a heart to heart with them. Maybe we'll go to the bathroom and say one quip. I don't even want them to make eye contact with me. Because when was the last time Anna and Marissa shared eye contact? Exactly. Can you remember? No. They hang out every goddamn day next to each other and never talk. I can't remember a frame of the show with them together. I think very early on, Cotillion, she introduces her to Ryan. Look, dude, sometimes I'm just going to say things that are super exaggerated to make a point, okay? I shouldn't drill down and investigate. And the fact that a whole big TV is coming down from the ceiling behind you with all of the frames that Marissa and Anna are in together. I should put the laser pointer away? Like, how did you know that I was going to say that? Oh, I've had this planned for weeks. Wow. Okay. Say any two-character combination, and I'm going to pull it up. Darkwing Duck and Don Corleone. You'll see here, it was... Episode 203 of Animaniacs, there was a sketch, so I know it's kind of fibbing with it. Let's take a break, because I want to watch the shit out of this episode of Animaniacs. Oh, it was great. I imagine. Nobody talks about it. It was the one time they were allowed to use a Disney character, and they got 
So there was no uh, hologram technology then, but they they used real audio of Marlon Brando. That's crazy. It's not okay, but it's hilarious. It is funny, and that's all that counts. So, yeah, we'll be right back. Yeah, let's take a break. Right? Oh, my God, that was amazing. Nuts. That was, I would say, better than Godfather Part 2. Yes. Which I think is better than Godfather Part 1. Doesn't... Still does not touch three. Which I think is, yeah, everything's worse than Godfather Part 3. Everything that's ever existed. It's just, they do more with the characters than anybody else. Right. And nobody talks about it. So the kids, uh, so Anna's laying it down on the table, and Seth is just talking about Early Bird Special. And Summer and Marissa is one of my favorite exchanges of them, because it also feels like it's been a minute since they've allowed to have been friends. For sure. We could have, we were really desperate for some Marissa Summer mess around right now, and mm-hmm. we got it. It was, uh... Marissa says that there, she's like, you should want to go. And Summer says something. And then she was like, I was being sarcastic. Or Marissa says, I was being sarcastic. Summer's like, so was I. And we never were this before Cohen taught us irony. Yeah. And this is the best. I think that Summer has got her pitter patter down with mm-hmm. almost all the characters she interacts with. Marissa, less so. But they're on fire in this scene. The back and forth is being brought. And it's a good reminder that these are besties, that they hang out even when the audience isn't there to watch what's happening. Okay. I sincerely doubt you that's don't possible. Think so? No. I, I have seen every second of these people's lives. If I'm not watching, then they go in a closet and they wait for me to watch again. Then explain how one week it's summer and the next week it's Thanksgiving. They Th- don't have Halloween in this alternate universe? That's ridiculous. You don't, there was no Halloween episode. Do we ever get an OC Halloween? Yes. I can't remember one. Whoa. They don't go to like Queen Mary, Haunted Hill or whatever it's called? Is Josh Schwartz the only showrunner in history who hates Halloween? Because everybody else like throws out the stops. Oh, yeah. They Every, throw out the stops. What, your One Tree Hills, your Everwoods, all decided to be an episode of Buffy when it was Halloween. But just nothing on the OC? Is that the biggest crossover of your life? What's more important to you? One Tree Hill, what was the second one? Everwood. Everwood and Buffy all doing things. It wasn't a crossover. The other two just looked at Buffy and went, we could pretend to have vampires for one episode a year. Oh, I see. That sounds... Was it good? Yes, it was great. It's no... A uh, horror episode of Boy Meets World, uh-huh. which blew my little brain as a kid. Ryan, a Disney show referenced South Park. Wow. E of Entourage fame, it was the gang and then just other guy they, that called Kenny for the first half of the episode. Also, he could die. So Eric Matthews could say, oh, my God, they killed Kenny. So reference slash just try to be cool, rip off a joke from a I much hipper show. the Venn diagram of the people who loved those two shows at that era were just me and my sister. Yeah, for sure. But they knew it, and they wrote it for us. So this is where all the kids are. And then Luke is bringing coolers and coolers and coolers of Old Milwaukee? Yeah, it looks like some real shit beer. Is Old Milwaukee even around anymore? I think so. Schlitz? Yeah, it's, it's, it's still a city, at least, is if it, not a beer. Is it just so low down that I don't even... Think it exists anymore? There's at the end of every aisle past the after dark popsicles, there's like five dollar twelve packs. And those are there for one reason only. Luke's to be stolen by sixteen year old kids. But I do like that so we're everybody's like an emotional turmoil and summer's like, I'm gonna foil their relationship, which is, is great for a show. And Luke's just like, Hey, I can't play golf without a buzz. Uh-huh. Which I do not like golf. I do not like beer. But I am down for that afternoon. It's the Red Bull and vodka of things. Once you put them together, it's a delicious treat on We're a summer's day. And know you're getting like under oldie skins. One, because they're very saggy skin, but because you're a drunk teenager doing donuts in the middle of the field. There's one other th- conversation that did not happen. Marissa had to convince Ryan mm-hmm. to go to Palm Springs. 
Seth and Ryan did not have to convince Kirsten and Sandy at all Mm-mm. to go to Palm Springs with a Coke dealer they just met and bailed out of jail. And it's because his Oliver's Lie, number 85, he said, my parents will be there and Natalie once again will be there, who live in Zurich and Canada, respectively. I think based on like how little we see her, we should start calling Natalie Natalie. Natalie. Because she does not exist, and she does things in a naughty way. And if she lived on a boat... She just travels by knots. She, yes, obviously. So the family, and they're like, this is my Sandy wisdom, if we're getting to this. Okay. Is because Kirsten says, do you trust Oliver? And Sandy says, no, but we trust our guys. That's a cool fucking way to be. Yeah, I guess. But still, Oliver can, I don't know, kill them with a golf cart? Right. But you know this kid is an abandoned rich kid who might have a coke problem. There's nothing that screams dangerous yet. Well, I don't know. What I've never the had fuck kids. are you talking about? <laughs> Did I just scream all the danger buzzwords? <laughs> I'm starting to think, correct me if I'm wrong here, that Kirsten and Sandy are the, we used to say the best parents on TV. Uh-huh. I think that they're the best married couple in TV okay. history. I don't know if they're the best parental units. Is it, do you think Kirsten and Sandy are A, too cool by half, they're just so fucking cool and want to be cool so they don't rein it in, uh-huh. or are so into wanting to bone each other and their own drama that they don't pay attention to the kids. I think it's that second one. Like, in your OC Babies thing you were pitching, like the year before mm-hmm. Ryan got there, they might have been super hardcore, or maybe even five years before that when Seth was a kid. Yeah. But now they think, like, Seth is a full-grown adult now. He's fully mature and has his own drama going on. Let's just focus on our drama because... It's two shows. It really right. like they do not intertwine that much, except for the classic Cohen breakfast. The breakfast. It's the central perk of the OC. Everybody meets up, has a bagel or doesn't. And what do we always say is the most important thing? The first scene of every episode of the OC. Yes. And so this is where it's all laying it out. That is what's going on with the kids. When we come back, you know what, Ryan? Let's check into that other show. Let's talk about what the parents are doing. Let's do it. So Jimmy and Sandy are having their own adventure. Yes. And when the episode starts, Sandy's just like, oh, your dad and Julie? Or what does he call them? It's not the gruesome twosome. Is it's it the not? ugly Americans? He hasn't moved to the gruesome twosome yet? No, he did that weeks ago. Oh, sorry. I don't to- really pay attention. Today, he's just like, oh, the ugly Americans back from Paris? Yes, that is it. It's a great little dig. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't go to dinner tonight. Me and Jimmy are going to the lighthouse. And Kirsten's like, what the fuck? And he doesn't tell her it's because it's his favorite restaurant that's closing and apparently him and Jimmy both have separate relationships to the lighthouse. Yeah, they both worked there. Jimmy worked there. Jimmy worked there. So that's what we learned. So they're like building it up and they're like, best chicken parm. I don't give a fuck about chicken parm. Also, I love going to restaurants right on the beach for that fresh from the sea chicken parm. Yeah, it, like there are classic old Newport restaurants that closed down that after 50 years. Are they fucking up with this? Is it their... Classic not really understanding the OC? I guess. I don't know. Because it should be a seafoodery. Right. And they've dealt with a real one before. Uh, Kirsten and Sandy's go-to New Year's Eve is the Arches. Yes. That's is, a restaurant. We we do lunches there. We do lunches. Like, we'll get like $100 steak for lunches. We'll but do meetings. We have fancier dinner places to right. go to. Come on. But the lighthouse, I do, the, the, the lore they set up, other than the best chicken parm in the area right on the water, is it chicken of the sea parm? Oh, it's tuna parm. Tuna parm. Now I'm intrigued. I want to see this fucking bar rescue <laughs> throw out the tuna parm. It's bad. And they, they bond over that, and they're like, oh, I, the, the happiest I've ever been was working here. Banging your wife. Banging your wife. He's like, we were married at that point. Uh, yep. Banging your wife. And they decide 
to get very, very drunk and start a fucking restaurant together, just like every two drunk 40-year-olds in the world. Now, this is an important scene in TV and movie history because most TV and movies will treat a martini, which is either a glass of vodka with a little bit of a liqueur in it uh-huh. or just a glass of cold vodka uh-huh. as if it's like a beer. People will just pound down martinis like crazy. Now, these two have one in their hand and an empty one on the table, and they're shit-faced. Yeah. That's how martinis do. Martinis are a glass of fucking vodka. It's one in the hand. Two in the bush. Two in the table, bush. And then he, this is how you can tell, because Sandy's pretty polite most of the time, except to Caleb and Julie. But uh, the amount of times he says the N-word in this episode. And yells the server's name across the way. And that's because I was like, that's rude. And I went, oh, no, he's already drunk. That's drunk, Karina! Sandy. Two more martinis. Oh, before we move on, this is not the first uh, seafood restaurant of the episode. The reason, the way that they got to the lighthouse was Jimmy was walking on, or Sandy was walking on the pier, and Jimmy was walking out of the crab shack. This is my Jimmy's got a Jimmy. At this point, Jimmy can't get a job as a manager at the fucking crab shack. Where Ryan worked episode two? Yes, and Ryan has already moved past. He's already surpassed the level of working at the crab shack. And I like that the Jimmy's like, I guess this kid of the register has more, and that the kid either hears him or is still judging so harshly that he turns around and just stank eyes Jimmy. Yeah. You're Jimmy Cooper. We can't trust you to work here. And then I do like that Sandy is all about heat. Sandy, like Marissa, likes the underdog, likes to fix people. He's like, there's like four low, low level jobs at my firm. And you can tell Jimmy's art because instead of being like, fuck you, I provide for my family. He's like, please, anything so much. And then Ted. Fucking Ted. Fucking Ted. Do you know what will happen to what? our firm if people find out? If he's such a good guy, why don't you go into business with him? By the way, Mike, real quick. Comics Connection. What? Who's Ted? Ted is Michael Riley Burke, and he played Preston in the third season episode of Supergirl called Not Kansas. Really? What a small world. What a small world it is. What a small vill it is. What a small vill it is. Comics Connection. Uh, Mike, tonight my OCD comics connection was when you brought up Smallville just then. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like it was an alley-oop, double job. We both get the credit and wear the medal. Oh, if you just rhymed that with job. Uh, so, f- two things about this. Fuck Ted, because you think if somebody's going to find out you hired Jimmy Cooper to be your male guy for three months, it's not such a gossipy-ass town. Yeah. This is how risk-averse people are at this point. And I, it's hard. I get why Ted is the way Ted is. But also just give Jimmy the fucking mailroom job. And then it's the, you guys should start a restaurant together. Like, Ted says it sassily, and then Sandy's like, oh. The other thing, too, is that even though it's just an apartment, it's in Newport, and he has a daughter to raise. Uh-huh. He's supposed to have two, but one died for a couple years. Um, you get a job as a manager to Crab Shack or a mail. Like, I know you want anything, but mm-hmm. like a mailroom clerk... That salary is not going to be enough. Like, no. you are screwed still, but you still have to work 40 hours a week. Hopefully, you're in the mailroom and your daughter gets that job at the Crab Shack. And then together, you pay apartment rent. Uh, my Jimmy's got a Jimmy was in the conversation with Sandy, like, like maybe I move. He's like, I got a brother in Phoenix. A fucking, only a Jimmy would have a GD brother in Phoenix we've never heard of. A brother in Phoenix? Phoenix? Ew. I like how he says it. He doesn't say, my brother lives in Phoenix. He was like, oh, I got one of those uh, uh, brothers. brothers. I got a brother in Phoenix. Does he mean fraternity brother, but he doesn't want to seem like a D-bag? By the way, do you watch Better Call Saul? I do not. And I think the second or third episode, uh, Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. is trying to set a car alarm off. So he does the thing where you go through the window, uh-huh. and that is Jimmy... 
with Jimmy's a Jimmy. Got a Jimmy. Jimmy's got a Jimmy right there. When we do a spinoff, we can keep this segment, everybody's favorite segment, when we do our Better Call Saul show. Better Call, Better Call Saul? Better Call, Better Call Saul. So that's what the boys are into. Are we going to just do their whole thing when Sandy's drunk and sneaking into the room? This is my Sandy wisdom. And it's not dialogue. Usually Sandy wisdom is just quotable quotes that you can sew onto pillows. Uh-huh. But my Sandy wisdom, as a now one-year married man, is if you're going to come home drunk, be super cute about it. <laughs> yeah. Because he rolls in, walks right into the dresser, but it's adorable. Well, what's adorable is like he opens the door with his butt, because that's quieter, and then closes it, not looking around to watch Kirsten reading and then watching him, and turns around, about to run to the dresser, and kind of goes, out, oh, how are you? <laughs> I've never seen you here before. He is charming and drunk, and cute and drunk, and it's so much better than how I do it, which is kick the door open, but do that kick where you kick the hole through the door, uh-huh. and it's still locked. And then you finally get in, and then you just start screaming and throwing bases. Kick the dog in the face. Oh, yeah. If there's a ah! dog face, I'm kicking it. <laughs> but yeah, so Was Sandy- that my wife? That <laughs> noise? Ah! <laughs> She's actually pretty calm when you're doing all this stuff. She's used to it. But it's that he he does the dresser, how do you do? And then he sees she's awake and does this, like, his shoulders go all the way above his head and he does this weird little jog. It's the best thing in the world. He basically treats the furniture as if he could be in some, like at one point in his life in a beast situation and they all come to life and remember how he treated them. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> and then when he's falling asleep on Kirsten, he's like, Jimmy and I are going to business. And he tells her what's happening. She's just, like, bemused by it. Yes. But the... It's not Sandy Wisdom, but one of the best lines of the in OC history so far is him saying, he's talking about, he's like, well, I'll have my normal job, they'll have my body, so will you, but the restaurant will have my soul, and my savings, and my income, and then he falls asleep. Now, if you're in this situation, you're Kirsten in this situation. Thank you. Okay. And damn, girl, you look good. Mm. You use the word bemused. Uh-huh. Now, is this because... You're not you're not going to start screaming and yelling because you're at this point going to do anything it takes to keep Jimmy in town even if it's losing all of Sandy's savings or he's drunk and he will not remember this any of this in the morning. He is so adorably drunk but also so so drunk that any real talk would not work and he probably won't remember it. I'm a real if somebody's drunk I try to even if I'm drunk but if I'm sober enough to notice what's happening be like let's handle this in the morning. Because trying to deal with it then will not work. And do you think that's better than how you used to handle it, which is if you're drunk, I'm going to force kiss you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the changes you've made. Or in throw life. a pizza at your head. <laughs> Nobody likes either because that pizza hot out of the oven. When you throw pizzas at people's heads, do you do it pie in the face style or frisbee style? Frisbee style. Okay. It's just right in the fucking <laughs> nose. So it hurts. It breaks some noses. And then that stuffed crust, fucking like napalm. So your rubber hose would be a hot pizza and it is up your nose with it. Yeah. Hot pizza... Uh-huh. <laughs> Mr. Mitza. I got nothing. I got wow. nothing. I'm s I can't believe that it only took seven or eight seconds for you to think of Mr. Mitza. I'm gonna embarrassly take a break right now, and when we come back, let's talk about the rest of the adults. While Sandy and Jimmy are getting drunk off of tons of martinis, Kirsten's dealing with the gruesome twosome and Haley. And we all learn that Haley and Julie have the same exact shit to talk about the other one respectively. When it comes to their relationship with Caleb. So Haley is to Juku uh-huh. as Sandy is to Ryan. Same character, different age. Is it weird? I never put it together. But, but they're both boinking Caleb? Yes. That's certainly weird because like the scheduling and his energy, he's getting older. But I never thought that one of his daughters is a redhead. That just means you can never date a redhead. <laughs> well, he has a redhead and a blonde. 
So what? All you have left is what? Eighty percent of the entire planet? Yeah, that's it. I guess you're fine. Just brunettes. The you said that who had the best line in OC history in this episode? Who did I say had that? But didn't even have the best line in this, this particular episode? episode. Lay it on me, friend. It's MVP, and I think this is the sixteenth episode running. Kiki, Caleb comes up to her and says, "I love both my daughters equally." To which she retorts, without missing a beat, "No, you don't." But that's okay. Yeah. Oh, and the, the, like, there's not stank. It's just she nope. knows it's a joke. Yeah, it's just a fact. It's just a so fact of fucking life. funny. There's a lot of in this one. It's it's not so like sitcommy three's company, but there's a lot of little zingers like that. The Haley and Julie, who obviously hate each other and have history we don't know about, and it's a lived-in world, so they don't need to tell us. But their greeting of Julie, your hair, Haley, you're here. It's just like I got one back for you, bitch. And Juku has the daytime face for sure. Uh-huh. And I don't mean like she looks like she's been out in the sun, which she does, but I mean the daytime soap opera after mm-hmm. comment face, but she pulls it off yes. in a way that very few characters on the show can. She'll say something like, you're here, and then have that like relax into pride of insult face. Well, that's the one like she planned to say it. Sure. Uh, two, it's, I, I bet this actress is a sweetheart, but she does have just a naturally villainous face. Her her lips and her eyes are just slightly angular. Like she just looks like a daytime villain mm-hmm. and owns it. You gotta play with the cards life gives you. Right. And so she's like, Julie Cooper used to be a sweetheart, but you all treat me like I'm a villain, I'll show you a villain, Newport. And yeah, she's perfect. She's perfect for it. And I, I do I always love the small moments of Kirsten and Julie bonding, bonding right. and being anti Newport together. Right. And so they both get to talk. It's not like, don't talk shit about my family, Julie. It's like, yeah, we can both talk smack about Caleb and Haley. Here's the thing, though, and this is almost always Kirsten's role, is that she's always in the middle. Like, Caleb and Haley and uh, Julie mm-hmm. and Sandy all have different amounts of stank towards each other. Right. And so what those people do is they go to Kirsten and they say what they think are borderline innocuous and definitely agreeable comments. Like, isn't that person the worst? And Kirsten is in the middle of all of it every time she is the person they go to, and she handles it great. She's a rock. I would have a fucking panic attack if I was just standing in that house and and Kirsten's role for 30 seconds. Panic attack because why? Because it's just so much of being a pillar, Mm -hmm. just being being stoic, not dishing back, and then also not giving shit to them, not saying like, hey, you shut up, because she would have to say that all day, every day as well. And it is because it's her husband about her... Dad and sister. It's her sister, sister about her dad and husband. Yeah, it's she is very connected to everybody. So she is a saint. She's close, and that's why she drinks. But I think that when you talk about when you talk about real like when you call me a saint, I take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. When you call a TV character a saint, unless it's the saint, it's usually an insult mm-hmm. because it's two dimensional and boring. Right. But that's not how I read Kirsten. Like I, I get the frustration on her face, and I think that they do her a great service in this episode. To live through two dramatic moments, mm-hmm. laying in bed with a book. Yeah. Like, if you guys aren't going to give me actual drama to do, then I'm just going to go chill, <laughs> and I'll have people come to me and yell at me or drunk on me or whatever the case may be. So one, one of the dramatic moments is Sandy drunkenly saying we're opening a restaurant, and what's the other? Haley coming in and saying fuck you. She's reading. The, she's laying in oh, bed reading the same book. Haley's. What did you tell Dad? I know you're behind this. So all. So Keith, would you? What I love about the shit talking and there's why Kiki is not two dimensional. She actually doesn't dish with Caleb or Haley or Sandy even. It's Julie who I think we don't have a deep deep connection. 
So I'm comfortable letting my hair down and being catty with you in a way she isn't with any other character. Right. And so that's, I don't know if the actress was like, this is what I'm going to do, if they've planned it that much, like, this is how deep we'll let their relationship get. The other way I kind of take it, too, is that Julie, out of that whole group, is capable of the worst. Mm -hmm. Not, like, buying up property and fucking people over and screwing people out of their homes like Caleb, but the worst as far as what we're talking about, this catty shit talk. Right. And so anytime Julie comes off as even a little calm, as just, like, I'm just going to do a little surface shit talking. I think it's a big relief. And right. she's like, oh, I can do this. Ooh. This is fine with me. I don't me. have to go so far down in right. the mud. Let's play just in that top level of gutter water. And they have their their ultimate pitter-patter bond was three or four episodes ago. When they talk shit on the noopsies. And when they were like, uh, are you hungry? How's beer and fried food sound? Right. Uh, you pay or I'll pay? Yeah. You don't announce in the conversation, you pay. You pay. Oh, that's why I never get dinner dates. Right. I'm always like, hey, friend, I haven't seen in a month. Why don't we hang out? You pay. Hi? And then you Venmo request them? <laughs> yeah. Just send me the money so I can go out and eat. Yeah, if you cancel on me, I still need to go out and eat, bros. The why don't you pour another one, Kirsten, is while we're just on Kirsten, is I think very early on in the episode, Sandy is cackling at her, which I think is a sign of a strong marriage because he won't be there for this awful dinner that even Kirsten gets out of. But he goes, why don't you just drink? And her... She's not like rolling her eyes like, oh, who got that? She just, alcohol. Yes. yes. Inspired. inspired. Yes. Like she is into the idea. Of course. Like she wasn't already thinking that yeah. anyway. She already had like her booze helmet of two wine bottles. Yeah. She's going to walk in, ask for a keg of vodka and start pounding. Locked and loaded. So I don't know where Caleb and Haley go for dinner. I think it's hilarious that. Caleb's girlfriend and the other daughter both go, fuck you, we're not eating with you. We would rather be alone. Did you know that was okay? Like, no. family goes out to dinner, you're allowed to say, oh, no, no, thank you. It was just, this episode was just, first Sandy said no, I didn't know you could do that. And right. just, everybody's just like, nah, nah, nah. I, I want to pull out the nah card. I think that the problem, though, between, like, the difference between us and them is that there was legitimate reasons for them to not go. Right. Not just they didn't want to, but also Caleb and Haley had shit to talk about. Where for us, it's literally every time anything happens, we pull out the knock cards. Yeah, it's just no, like, uh, I got this couch. I, no, I, I'm already sitting, so. I don't want to. Are, are you suggesting that I'm sitting now, and you're suggesting that I get up and not sit for a long time and then come back later and sit down again? Nah. Nah. That's why I have to make plans like a month in advance. Because even with people I love and I want to see, if it's day off, I just, no. Knee jerk is, no, I would rather do nothing but that. I only make plans with people that have layovers in the LAX airport. That way, if I cancel, there's nothing they can do. And you own a steak in that restaurant. Right. I own one steak. You I keep it in a locker. Of steak. And I just go and I, I, I just flip it over every when, year. When you are aged to the perfect amount, along with my wheel of cheese and my scotch, I will have the finest of meals. When they say age, that just means keep it in a locker for 80 years, right? Yeah. It just got that locker stank that everybody loves to eat. And that's what there's like when... People go to cook a steak. Like, what's the best way to steak? They mm -hmm. say, oh, lock her up. Lock you want to lock her up. That's lock what they're chanting. Up. Best lock way to up. cook a steak. Remind me to do that in an email, I think, is what they're talking about. So Kirsten says something that is shocking that she hasn't said this to her dad before is, Haley will take your money and run away. Haley, we've decided, is 24? Sure, yeah. So the perfect, this is actually, I think, a great age to be like, have the cutoff convo. Are are you at I all? I was open thirty four, but I guess twenty four. Are is a you at number. all on Haley's side in this? Or oh, absolutely not. Kiki, absolutely not. Her. What made me mad is because Kirsten was trying to be nice at the end of it, and she's like, "Where are you going to go? You don't have any money." And Haley's, whose fault is that? 
Why does Kirsten not go, yours, bitch? I don't understand how every sentence that Kirsten says to Haley doesn't start with bitch and then go. Whose fault is it? You have the nerve to say whose fault is that that I don't have any money? Here's the thing. I, I mean, if they don't give her money, does she die? Or become a prostitute. That would be my only fear. Uh-huh. So if you could work out some sort of weaning program. Right. And I didn't say weaning program. That's being a prostitute, Mike. Weaning program. where we. I imagine that Caleb's like, I don't know, 100 grand. And then she fucking just goes from Rio to Rio right. all over the well, world. I want to hear. Kirsten's like, every trip gets longer and wilder. Can we also have a flashback episode? See, one of these, what is wild? You're ziplining everywhere. What does a wild Haley trip mean? Oh, you adorable little child. How many manatees are we petting in the water? What does it mean? Just uh, boning her way through Rio? I don't want to watch. I do want to watch Haley's vacations. <laughs> I do not want to watch yours. Just oh, like It's adorable. We already had cotton candy. Should I'm, we do another? Let's be bad and eat another. I'm always Sandy in this episode, level drunk, doing childish activities. I actually have been on trips with you, and it is a combination of both, where it's it's half Haley, half what we just said about you, where you find a cotton candy cart, you get drunk, you sit in the cart, and then you drive it all <laughs> the way to the next town. See, I want to watch an episode about that. Why are they putting motors in candy cart, candy corn carts, candy cotton candy cart? <laughs> You almost, you know what? We're going to take a little break and then we've covered all the adult shit. Let's get back to the kids on the links. Back in the jerk off capital of California, the kids are playing golf. It's Luke, Marissa, Oliver, and Ryan in one group, and then the three way, as Oliver calls it, Anna, Summer, and Seth. Who do you want to start with? Let's start with the threesome. Let's do it. Now, did we make a rule that Anna is ineligible for Orange Couture Awards at this point? Because she was is the reigning queen. She's just winning it every week. Yeah, They built a character that they don't know what to do with because she is simultaneously more weirdly fashionista than the other ladies in the show, but is supposed to be more down to earth than them. Her personality and her clothes just will never match up, except her jeans and her track jacket. That is pure real Anna. Everything else is drag. Okay, well, I'll think of something else for that award then, and from here on out for the rest of my life. Mine is, because it it was hard, because I think we're just getting inundated and used to this show, is I think Marissa's white shoes, white socks, white skirt, white sweater, all the same shade as sweater. Cadillac. Boys of Time Bomb? Girls of Time Bomb. Girls of Time Bomb. Now, this is two weeks in a row with Marissa, and probably 18 out of 30 weeks in a row, um, where she says, what are we doing? What's the activity? Oh, I have exactly one outfit perfect for that. She didn't go shopping, and she's never played golf. Last week, we got rock show Marissa. This week, we got golf star Marissa. On the links, Marissa? And I think Hole that's... Hole in one, Marissa. One, they were trying to pitch a Barbie-style doll just about Marissa. For sure. And two, is showing, I do think, is that year before the show starts, Marissa, this is who she was, is I need an outfit for every scenario, even if I'll never do that thing. Then I'm glad that they're not doing the full thing they could be doing of... Uh, like, she just wears black everywhere now. Right. Like, that's how hard she's come. No, that'd be lame. Mm-hmm. She's still a normal... That's how far she's come. She's still a normal human being. She's not gothy. That's a more of an Anna trait, if they wanted the character to all seem holistic and real. I think that... Do we stay away from goths for all four seasons? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just such an easy target. Go for it, guys. There's no DJ club at Harbor High? Are you kidding me? I guess there's also no... 
minorities. So that's true. Goth is not one to complain about. There's just a weird, bizarre episode. It's all the minorities in Goth is Orange County. Be like, this sucks, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. You guys, I wish I could say it gets better. So, the threesome, the best Annaline of this episode is Summer's like, come on, we're all friends. And she says, why does she say friends like it's a threat? Uh-huh. I dug that line. And I know people who talk like that. Uh-huh. You know, I want you to be scared while I'm saying nice things. It's a good ploy. It's Summer and Oliver are like very different levels of nefarious, but are playing the same game of I'm going to fuck with somebody openly enough that they can notice, but not so openly that it, when they point it out, they will look crazy. Oh, yeah. You're the crazy one if you ever say anything. And Summer goes a little bigger than Oliver, which makes sense for who their characters are. Because I do think Seth and Anna could call her out Mm -hmm. and be like, remember when we had very real honest conversations? Get the fuck out. Anna could tell her to get out of the room. I don't like that Anna, because I think it's a betrayal of the character, is when Summer fake loses her golf ball. She's like, Cohen, come help me. And Anna's like... Who else lost their balls because he's helping her? Like, that's not the Anna we've come to know and respect. Yeah, but if a writer thinks of that line, you gotta that's you true. can't lose that line. And it does show that she is the Blanche. Now, there's one scene in particular that we really need to talk about. It's the bed scene. Anna and Seth mm-hmm. are in bed watching TV. Summer busts in, and Summer gets control of the remote. Classic and Summer. Finds out that it doesn't matter what is on the TV, Seth and Anna have a cute five minute back and forth uh-huh. about it and how much they have in common about that thing. And it's annoying. Like this is summer's what summer's doing is wrong, but I get how she could be frustrated because right. they are annoying. It is how your wife looks at you and I when with the three of us see a movie together. So what I think is going on here is summer is clearly our two girlfriends or wives <laughs> watching us talk to each other. Now it's not that they want to break up our relationship. No, necessarily, uh. but I thought that in my head and then I was like, Oh, you know, I'm just putting myself and Mike into the show. <laughs> They're not the actually show. commenting on it. And then they say, Seth and Anna say, we're so good at this. There should be a TV channel just about us watching other TV channels. And I am saying that to you, Mike, on a podcast we created just so people could listen to us talk about but a TV no. show. See, no, that's, no. That's, yeah. Argue with that. To- because we don't. We don't watch it and then commentary Mystery Science 3. That was a thing we tried to do years ago that you could still find. But we don't. that's not what this is. So because we don't have the OC on while we're recording the show makes us totally different mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. thing that Summer called them out on. Uh-huh. Plus, we're funnier than them. They're dumb in 16. I think that all listeners of this show Dis- don't, don't on a podcast that is dedicated to OC viewers and fans say that you're ever funnier than Seth and Anna. People know... Mature viewers know that Seth and Anna aren't the funniest characters on this show. Mature viewers. That's what you think when you're 16 and you watch it. But when you, you the nuanced jokes that come from other characters are better. What I don't like uh, is, and would not stop me if our wives or girlfriends said this to us, is you guys are like brother and sister. I wouldn't roll over and go right to bed. I don't know why that gets to Anna so hard. If, we, <laughs> if uh, they said you guys are like brother and sister... We would both scream at the same time, I call sister. I call sister. And then run around the room screaming, brother and sister, brother and sister. (laughs) They would kill themselves? Who are the two twins from Bob's Breakers? Uh, Andy and Ollie. Yes, that is us. I have Ryan's birthday. It, I think it's a culmination, and this is me, I don't think the show handled this very well. I think it's the culmination of Seth never actually want to do anything sexual with Anna, 
making out and holding hands and banter at tops, and then the brother and sister comment. Because that one dig from Summer doesn't do it. But if you look at this whole episode and watch that, then I get why Anna rolls over and is pissed. Yeah, I get that. I think I could see Seth being glad that Summer said that. Because like now the pressure of tonight is off. Do you, do, you, do you have in your past or have you seen this where two people have so much chemistry, but it's obviously not sexual chemistry? Oh, for sure. should not be together? With almost every person, boy or girl, I've ever met, it is only not sexual chemistry. So you're really trying to force it still with the wife. And it's confusing for other people. Like, I have had a lot of non-sexual chemistry with a lot of girls, Uh and people always read it as sexual, except for the two people who have the chemistry. And everybody else is fine with it. No, everybody else... No, not fine with it. Sees something happening. Sees something happening, and that's just not true. Like, we're, we're deciding... And a lot of times it's because me and the girl are... In other relationships, uh-huh. which I think is easier for chemistry because there's oh, no like sure. stakes, you know. Fresh, yeah. Uh, and but no, people will just see two people having uh, fun, yeah, um, enjoying each other's company, and assume it's sexual. Something's gonna go in something somewhere, right? Right. But no, and not for Seth or Anna neither. But yeah, I think that Anna seems more experienced, probably. And Seth, I think, is very very nervous. Seth is still in the V Club, right? And, and I he think- doesn't want to be bad at things. So he's just freaking out. Right. When he does fucks, he is very bad. But I guess that's a conversation for a different episode. Is that this season? I believe so. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So that's what's going on with the the wild bunch. And Luke is getting drunk alone, just smashing all the beers he brought. Luke's with the four. Oh, backtracking to the golf course. Right. So it's Luke, Marissa, Oliver, and Ryan. And Oliver doing the, the mind games thing is... Getting little digs in it, Ryan, but his tone is that Marissa can't see what's happening. Right. And then every time he says something, he then goes over to Marissa and he's like, well, just want them to like me. I don't know why they don't like me. And what, this is his most genius because he is doing the like, you old sport, ha ha ha, you suck right now. Where like some dudes do, but I do think you have to have a level of comfort with those dudes, right? Oh, yeah. You can't walk in and just say, oh, I've already earned all the rapport that you guys have earned over years. People try. <sighs> Does I, not work. Uh, I played with like a friend of a friend. I ended up at a house years ago, and I'm not a video game guy, but they were playing Call of Duty or Halo or one of those shoot 'em up games. And I hopped on. And the way this one d bag called his friend a fucking loser, and the way he said it to me, I went, "Does everybody else see that I'm being attacked right now?" <laughs> like he hated that I was at the apartment and just wanted me gone because mm-hmm. I was bad at a shoot 'em up game. Yeah, I've. I mean, I know tons of people who have come and hung out with us and like just started insulting us uh-huh. as hard as possible. Like, oh, I see the double dutch. I could jump rope. And mm-hmm. I can see it from their thing where their their v- point of view, where they see the way that we talk to each other mm-hmm. and like, oh, I get it. You pretend like you hate the other person. But they've never cried behind a bar together. Like, you have to earn those moments. And the thing is, too, is that when all of those people do it, it's very genuine. They're trying to hang out. They're trying to watch the right. double dutch and jump in where Oliver only seems genuine when Marissa's around, but he has that smile he has right. to have because he's a fucking daytime soap villain and it's all on purpose and the craziest moment is when they are racing to they get just bored of golf they don't go to the 18th hole or even the ninth hole they're just like we're done right uh i've already straddled your girlfriend in front of you in a faux attempt to happy gomer her way into golfing and he's like first one buys or last one there buys the first round also teenagers of soda pop yeah like they, you can just buy rounds there uh they're going back to the house so there's just beer there you can just drink that. But you have to pay a dollar to Luke. I guess. 
uh, he ramrods or tries to ramrod their golf cart with his golf cart and just the the blankest, scariest face. Oh, if there was any confusion as to what Oliver's like tactics were mm-hmm. or what his uh, mindset was, it zooms in on a horrifying <laughs> cartoon villain face, and you can hear in his head, if you listen close enough, <laughs> and Luke isn't a smart character. He's no, but he, been accused of he that. does know what love is. He knows what love is and that he doesn't deserve it, <laughs> but he, he goes, that dude was not joking around. Like, yeah. Luke sees through this bullshit now, because when Oliver is teaching Marissa how to golf, Luke is the one who's like, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> and that's where I guess Marissa lands. Below Luke, uh-huh. she is now at this point stupider than Luke. Do you remember watching like the first two seasons of The Simpsons and just watching Homer's IQ just <laughs> yeah, dwindle just, and dwindle? Why? What do they do off season to him? <laughs> Marissa is now a dummy dumb. Uh, the best, like Luke, doesn't need redemption anymore. But like one moment that made me want to hug him, other than being on Ryan's side in this, is the uh, Oliver and Marissa are heavily flirting and. Ryan's got good long game because he visualizes Oliver's face with a bad short game. And Luke just kicks it and goes, nice shot, buddy. <laughs> Luke. Once again, a Labrador that came to life. Now, I don't know if we have time to talk about this. We have to. But, you know, I'm going to talk about my parents' divorce. <laughs> we have to talk about it. Uh, this might be next week because we have so many more Olivers to go. Um, but what is it that Oliver sees in Marissa? Oh. Why is he in love with Marissa? And or is he just hateful of Ryan? Or is he in love with the group and thinks Ryan's the replaceable one? I think, yeah, he wants everything Ryan seems to have. And Marissa is a girl who was nice to him. If that's the case for you, leather bracelets are like $8. Yeah, he doesn't Go get some leather bracelets. Go, but then he's like, I don't want to have to do 80 pull-ups a day. Like, I know I can't do that. And I think it's he knows, because he did that shitty, like, here's your damage the first time he met Marissa. He knows how to manipulate it. I think it's he wants a nice, attractive girl he can use. Okay, so I want to... Oh, I know what you were talking about, what we have to talk about. So I have a question about that. I want you to go back to the first time you ever saw this episode uh-huh. and then go back to when you watched it recently. Does Oliver's o- freak out? Does Oliver really... Is Oliver really uh, capable of doing the thing where he breaks a plate in the sink and starts smacking himself and saying, I suck, I suck, I suck? Or, based on how this episode ends with the fake suicide, is it all just part of an Oliver plan? I think it's all in Oliver plan. All in Oliver? It's because he, I do think he's smart enough, cunning enough, because that's the not complimentary smart. <laughs> he's cunning enough to know Ryan is at a breaking point and will just confront him. And he doesn't know how to deal with that. So he's like, I have to be a little sympathetic to Ryan. So he gets off my back for a second and then move. No, I, I don't see an ounce of actual humanity in Oliver. There's just no evidence of that here. It's always fucking with everybody all of the time. So his mental issues aren't that he will break a dish and smack himself. No. His mental issues are that he will do that purposefully in a situation. I assume sociopath. And maybe that is there deep down, but he only brings that tool out when he needs to use it. It's never because I really feel that in this moment. It's, oh, it's Ryan in this room. If Seth was in the room, he would do something else. He doesn't do it. It's insane. Yeah. And then we... Oh, I need to backtrack to the magical music moment of the week. Oh, sure. Because uh, it comes up two or three. It is this the, the soundtrack bed to this whole episode when they first go to Palm Springs and Marissa hops in Oliver's car, not with Ryan. When they first hop on the golf carts to do the race, it is Puddle of Mud. And the song is called Away From Me. But it is Puddle of Mud Sucks. They're very butt rocky. 
But this is like if a butt rock band was like, we could play new metal for one song. It's just the worst of both worlds. Okay. I like how you tried to do a music moment. Like, it's not really your thing, and you're not good at it, and probably shouldn't be on this show. But you gave it a shot. And that isn't even in the top two. Number two is, of course, It's Not Unusual, which we get a callback to. When they first hit Palm Springs, Tom Jones' uh-huh. I'm Not Unusual is playing. It comes back again when Oliver is delightfully prancing through his apartment, uh, uh, staging an attempted suicide. Yeah, just throwing pills around and hiding them and knocking shit over. But the musical moment, of course, has to be when Seth and Anna are watching TV. Uh, Summer has the remote, mm-hmm. and they land on a music video. And that is, of course, uh, the song Addicted by Enrique Iglesias. And they both say that they really like that song and video. And that song and video stars none other than Misha Barton. Is that true? That is true. That's your musical moment. I didn't, all that blew right by me because I don't know any of the real world Because you're things. not a fucking Enrique Iglesias fan like you're supposed to be. Nor a Misha Barton fanatic. Yeah. It's just like I didn't get that Russell Crowe looks like Ryan. Do you see how replaceable you are on the show? You don't know any of this stuff. No, I'm not replaceable. Okay. Don't we'll Oliver me because I'll take all of these clothes off. And then we'll see who's what. We talked about the suicide attempt, right? We don't need to dig into it. Well, I do have one more thing that we do need to dig into. Lay it on me. And then, do, is it time to go? It is. Okay. So, most important. Mike, you and I live in a L.A. high-rise. Uh-huh. We each own a high-rise. Don't let anybody else live in it. String cans. We live in the penthouse of each. Mm-hmm. We will sometimes switch, right? If, it's fun. If I need to get to your apartment or you to mine, we will drive Super fast cars from one building oh, yeah. to the next. Just We've seen how it's done. We learned it from a documentary. But we were born and raised in Huntington Beach. Yes. And this episode features the only scene, I believe, to ever actually be filmed in the actual Orange County. Really? Yes. The golf course, and it's Huntington Beach. The golf course that they go to is the Seacliff Golf Course, where, which is famous, not, not only is it just like a couple of blocks from where I grew up, but it's famous because that's where my cousin got married, and I've been there before. That's so famous. Yeah. Wait, so their Orange County is Malibu. Their Palm Springs is Orange County. Yes. They don't know what's up or who's up from down, dogs and cats. Uh, when they are first starting their golf course, you see a like a beige building in the back. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time you can figure it out. But yes, that is Huntington Beach. That's bananas. Yeah. Anna bananas. Ryan, I guess that's your final word? Yep. <laughs> you watch your cousin get married to that golf course? As far as like things that I have to say about this episode and what it meant to me and how I feel like it uh, stacks in the critical uh, existence of the show The O.C., one scene was filmed in Huntington Beach. Thank you. You're welcome. You should subscribe, rate, and review to this show on wherever you get your podcatcher, unless Stitcher. I'm not going to ask you to go through the fucking 18 steps you have to do review a thing on Stitcher. I'm very annoyed with that fucking interface. It's quicker to get up on a, like a loom and stitch together an episode of this podcast than it is to listen to us on Stitcher. That is your last popsicle stick, good sir. Okay, I'm done then. I'm done. While you're over there on your podcatcher, please also subscribe, rate, and review to the Superhero Hour Hour, where Taylor walks us through every single comic book-based TV show that comes out that week. Move of the Year, where our friend Greg pits us against each other while we fight for the best movie of any given year. And Taylor Talking Taylor, where once a month, because he's lazy, Taylor talks about any famous Taylor, and then every other week, I talk to writers about how to write better good. So, Taylor hosts Superhero and Taylor Talking Taylor, yeah. and you host Writer's Block, and Greg hosts Movie of the Year. Yes. When's Uncle Grandpa over here, Uncle Daddy Ryan, going to get a show? I don't know. Uncle Grandpa, Uncle Daddy Ryan? 
You gotta, Is it when I get a new nickname? You gotta submit it to the board. Uh-huh. I think that's the title of the show, and then we make the structure from there. Title first, figure it out. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put in one pit an uncle, a daddy, a grandpa, and an uncle, and I'm gonna have them fight. Fight, fight, and it's just you narrating the fight, announcing, I guess is what it's called for a fight. Look, baby, if you're going to put me on the spot and uh, make me come up with my own nickname right then and there, I'm going to come up with perfection every time. Yeah, I made you do that. Talk to people about shopping. If you are about to online shop, stop. Shop and roll to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. If you make that your new Amazon bookmark, you will get all of the same stuff you love for the same price, but we get... A little pizza pie. We get a little pizza Mr. Mizza. If you want to support us in other ways, patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick a tier. Give us that amount of money every month, and you'll get a different little prize. Uh, $5 is the money maker for us and for you. You get the most bang for your 5 bucks. Uh, for the price of one latte from Starbucks a month, you'll get extra content, extra shows, extra things to read. The best, newest thing you can listen to is an episode of the Movie of the Year where we Really dig into 10 Things I Hate About You. And it was delightful, and you should check it out. Social media. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Your Pop Filter. That's where you're going to get daily, almost hourly doses of pop culture witticisms that'll make your brain explode and your heart swell two times that day, which is dangerous. And you should only read our Twitter at a doctor's office because if your heart gets twice the size that it is, you're probably going to die soon. But follow us anyway. Don't don't read the tweets. Just follow us. Just follow us. Uh, if you want a visual medium, search for Your Pop Filter on YouTube. It's, it's, it's short. It's bits. If you want to check out the other shows but don't want to give the full episode a try. If you thought this episode of OCD was perfect, at least the first two minutes were, and then it was like 58 minutes of bullshit, YouTube. YouTube is for YouTube. Ryan, yeah. how could they get in touch with us? There's a couple of ways to do that. First of all, email us. Contact at yourpopfilter.com and let us know what your complaints are. Put those right in the subject so we know that it's not about making our penis bigger and it's not going to be a compliment. Did did I say compliment in the subject or insult in the subject? I don't remember. Okay, so put the compliment in the subject and the insult in the bed, the body. That, That way we'll read it. And then also... Call our robot associate. That's right. We own one. If we have two high rises, we're going to own a robot. That's true. Call him at 1562 DRDJPOP. That's 1562 Dr. DJ Pop. He's a doctor. He's a DJ. He's a robot. Mike? Yes. Both of his hands are? Spatulas. They're both spatulas. It makes him terrible at widening nostrils. But That's true. But great at taking messages. Very true. Spatulas, everyone knows, is the utensil you need to take messages on. Uh, thank you to the Holophonics for sweet theme music. Next week, we are going to talk about Oliver is transferring to Harbor High, my friends. So we're like we're going to talk about Oliver and the rest of the characters? Yep. So we're going to discuss Oliver and company? Oliver and company. Billy Joel, the whole shebang. William Joel, we'll get talked about on this show. Until then, stay California. gay.